Hello everyone, it is so good to reunite with you all after several weeks of taking some time off. Uh, just working on my health, getting better, and just some things going on in my life right now that are changing so fast. And more to talk about, coming right up on Handy Slapped. And here we are again, my beautiful disabled disciples. This is the Reverend Jordan Schrader coming to you on this Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. Just two days before Christmas, obviously. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays in general to all of you as we are in the at the epitome of the season's greetings and I want to thank you all for being so patient with waiting so long on this episode. I originally was going to just take a week or two off one for Thanksgiving and two I got sick for about a week and a half and so I uh, ended up getting really busy after a while so it just you know life happens and Good thing I'm not under any kind of contractual obligations or anything because uh, I would be in a lot of trouble right now. But here we are. It is episode 47 of Handy Slept. And today there's just so much to catch up on. I hope all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families. If you were able to join with your families, they got the new variant of Omicron um, with the coronavirus going on right now. I hope it's not affecting your travel plans or, or your uh, health care or your health in general. Lord God, for that just everything going on. And I just pray for all of you to stay safe this holiday season. And now, what have I been doing? Well, let's talk about movies, movies, movies. As y'all know, I'm a big movie buff. I'm a filmmaker myself. I love talking about film. I love studying film and all that. So let me give you a couple of quick movie reviews, non-spoilers, of films that I saw over the past week. Starting with last Saturday of watching Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I've been a Spider-Man film since I was about nine years, no, eight years old, going on nine, ever since I saw the first Spider-Man film in 2002 with Tobey Maguire, and I just loved superheroes, and especially Spider-Man, ever since then. I think that goes for a lot of us young millennials, and uh, so I just, just everything about that film at the time was perfection. Today, it's not perfect by any means. When you watch it later, it's got some flaws. But at the time, that's when um, superhero films needed to change. In the 80s, we had Superman. 90s, we had Batman. And then 2000s, Spider-Man. And just revived everything of what superheroes could be. And it was only a first step of what they could be. We fast forward now, almost 20 years later, and we got Spider-Man No Way Home, 
in this new series of Spider-Man films that all fit within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I have to say, I absolutely adored this film. My only problems with it were, again, these are nitpicks, so I'm going to get them out of the way really quick. My only problems, really, with the film, a couple of nitpicks are some of the editing, some of the directing, and maybe a little bit of line delivery from some of the characters. But all that was easily forgiven by just how well handled the narrative and the plot and the story and the impossible feat of bringing all these characters in a single film. I mean, yeah, we got movies like Infinity War and Endgame, but to cross different elements and different boundaries of a film and other films is just mind-blowing. As we know from the trailers, we got Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2, and we got Green Goblin from the 2002 Spider-Man film, all in this film. And it's such... Like, Chris Stuckman on YouTube described it best. Like, is this real life? Are we watching these other characters from other properties of film in this current Spider-Man film and it blows your mind. You know, it's very it could have been very easy to make this film such a super cash grab with one-liners, cameos and all that. They don't do any of that. Maybe a, okay, maybe a little tiny tinsy bit, but they don't rely on that. That's not their motivation. And it's not their main course. The story in this film, the way they crafted how to implement these other, let's say, universes, is such a great step forward in how big film projects can be produced. I just want to thank Kevin Feige of the Marvel Universe for putting this together and being such an amazing studio producer and movie producer over the past uh, over the past decade plus of just making these impossible universe of films together. It's so cool. And now going on to the regular film, uh, Tom Holland does a fantastic job. This is easily his best performance in a Spider-Man film. Um, Zendaya, wow, like Zendaya as Mary Jane. I didn't like, or not Mary Jane, sorry, as MJ. I'm so used to saying the old name. No, it's MJ. And so um, when I first saw Homecoming in 2017, I thought it was okay with her. And I was like, I wasn't sold on her big time. I wasn't really into the way she portrayed the character. I wasn't uh, completely invested in her acting at the time. Little did we know what kind of actress she would become in years forward, but wow. I just wasn't impressed by her, the first performance with her, but she was funny. I'll get that. She had her funny moments and everything, but the way they did it was just kind of nonchalant. And now in this film, this blew me away with how much of a character and as an actress 
that Zendaya has matured into. You believe she's MJ. You believe she is in danger. You believe that she is Spider-Man's girlfriend. And you believe that she is, in general, that she is in danger. You believe that she is in the predicament of being a girlfriend of a superhero. And it's so just cool to see her evolve into that. And now I like her a lot. Zendaya is absolutely adorable as a person. She's super talented. She's a really beautiful young woman that's going to make a lot of influence as she progresses in her acting career. Excuse me. And she just really sold herself all the way in this film, and it's great. I love the character of Ned. He's hilarious as the guy in the chair. I can relate with that very well. And um, I was... I, again, I didn't like him either in Homecoming, really. I thought, where's Harry Osborne? I need my Harry Osborne and all that. You know, I was still hooked on uh, the old style of uh, the narrative of Spider-Man. And they even did it with the same thing with the Amazing Spider-Man Andrew Garfield series of films. I'm like, um, I'm like okay, who's Ned? Uh, but the Spider-Man's best friend in these films. Um, I'm like, okay, that's new. And the way they did it now, three movies then I am sold on him as well. I'm just sold on all these characters. And you, what really makes this stand out, they're not just individual films. They had a plan. Unlike the crappy sequel trilogy of Star Wars, these films, as well as all the MCU films, you just see how meticulously and well-crafted these timelines and these series, series, however you pronounce it, these franchises and how this entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is so pristinely and precisely put together. You just see it in all the interwoven parts, which is why I really like the individual films a lot because you just see it's like with these films how well they interwove into all the other stories again I'm missing kind of going up and down here with the movie but I, I can't that's the thing though there's not much I can say about this movie without spoiling anything so the best I can say for it is brilliant writing fantastic acting. William Defoe coming back as the Green Goblin completely steals the show. I think he does better in this film than he did in the first Spider-Man film of 2002. Uh, there's uh, a couple of reasons for that. I, I probably can't say, and I'm not going to, but he just brings it to the table. And I love how... Uh, I was reading like behind the scenes notes how if you were to come back for the film, he has to be in all the main fighting scenes and be a much more involved character. And he does, and I love it. He makes this movie beyond worthwhile. 
and he brings his A plus game. I wish uh, in this today's world that his character and his role could be nominated for an Oscar, but I don't know, it's going to be bypassed. Like a lot of good performances are snubbed. So, again, I know it doesn't really sound like I'm talking or saying much about the film, but that's because if I say too much, you're going to figure it out and I'm going to give it away. But this film is really about more, more, even more so, what are these consequences of being the person you want to be and the person you're supposed to be? What are the actual consequences? What are the choices you have to make to be a true hero? And what I really love about this film is it really blurs the lines of not only what is a hero, but what are the positive and negative consequences of being a hero. It isn't we what I like about being a millennial and the millennial narrative that you really see in film now is that millennials have completely obliterated the altruism belief that we all grew up on. The feeling of that everything is absolute and that everything is what it is. That nothing can be changed that there's good and there's bad, that everything is completely binary, that everything our parents taught us, that our institutions taught us is absolute, that we there are absolutes with which we dare not question. And millennials broke all of that. Growing up in a time when the world as we knew it stopped making sense and we would question reality and question what was true, what wasn't true. And I call what, I like to look at it as um, how millennials are the deconstructors. That we are the epitome of what is true. How we deconstruct literally everything and break down the truth and break the social barriers, breaking the social boundaries, breaking breaking ideologies, breaking religion, and breaking all of that to the point of how can we redefine things? And what were the definitions set by our predecessors that turned out to be false, turned out to be a form of control? and turned out to be not what it seems. And that's what this movie kind of looks at in the sense of like there's other realities beyond what we think we know. Not everything is completely altruistic. And that not everything is bare bones, black and white. As we see in a lot of movies, but Spider-Man truly becomes Spider-Man in this film for good reasons and for very sad reasons does he make his metamorphosis and it's a very good reflection on how we are to make our own changes and the difficulties and the hardships 
that are inevitably coming to continue shaping us and reforming us into the people that God has us intended to be. The questions of loyalty, the questions of commitment, how do we interact with one another? And I'm getting a little off pace here, but what I really love about this film is just everything. You gotta go see this movie if you're a Spider-Man fan. If you have not dived into the MCU for some random reason, get in there, man. It's such a fun time at the movies, and it's fun to get involved with it, with all the characters, and how all the little parts come together to form a big whole. And so I give this movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, a 10 out of 10. And I'm not exaggerating. It's that great of a movie. It's got its weaknesses, but I can look past them. So, going back to the existential topic of uh, how this movie reflected things I'm going through in my own life, things you may be going through in your own life, and that is the inevitability of change. And we talked about that a little bit before, about how changes change you. Or a better way to put it, when change is happening all around you, the only thing really that you can do is learn how to change yourself how to adapt, that's what keeps us going, is adaptability, change, and how to keep going with everything going on. You know, uh, in this film, uh, again, going back to the movie, um, uh, Spider-Man and his friend, Peter Parker, sorry, and his friends are uh, submitting their college admissions, or their applications, and, you know, that inevitability, that feeling of, yes, here we are, it's so exciting. But what comes after the excitement phase of, oh, this is real. Our life is changing. We are, are we going to stay friends forever? Are we going to diverge and change our pathways? Is it going to be according to our plan? That's the kind of things that another thing that the movie talks about is what's going to change and how are we going to respond to it. And it really sucks because we can't help it. And the things that change are outside of our control. And if we do try to change it, it's just going to spit right back in our face. So when life changes around us and things go in God's plan, not ours, we need to be prepared. And one of the best ways to be prepared for inevitable change, when things don't last forever, when things are going to turn away from what you know, and everything you do know will be different as you know it. And one of the best ways to get through that is to find your loyal people. 
the people who are going to stick with you throughout all of it and they are going to change with you and to help you change for the better as the world and the circumstances around you continue to change outside of your control. And what we need to do is stick with those people we love. A couple weeks ago, I gave a sermon um, at my church on the book of Ruth, chapter 3, which, thematically speaking, is all about the loyalty and the kindness and the righteousness of love. The three different subsections of what love looks like. How in the Bible of the book of Ruth, um, the women of Naomi and Ruth have to get out of the lands to avoid the famines, and they get, and uh, Ruth marries one of Naomi's sons, and then Naomi's family all die, and then Naomi and Ruth are left with each other. This is the very abridged version, I might tell you. So Naomi and Ruth have to go back to Israel, even though there's a famine, in order to get away from their tragedy. That's putting it very lightly, but a lot of the book has to deal with tragedy to blessing. Tragedy can be interpreted in many different ways, but tragedy in the sense of when everything is going wrong and how you respond to it. In this case, Naomi responds bitterly. Whereas Ruth, her daughter-in-law, um, is trying her very best to support her to the point where she marries a man, an Israelite man named Boaz, who is a very upright, loving, good-natured man who is needed to help restore Naomi's family. There's still a choice there. Ruth could have married another man, but she still chose to marry Boaz. And because she married Boaz and the consequences around her were unknown, God was still working within her story. This little story going on in the corner of a big picture story. How God is always working in between the lines and around it. Because Ruth married Boaz to, you could say, help save Naomi's family, the Israel family line could continue to eventually give birth to David, to eventually then give birth to Jesus. God always has a plan. God is always with you in your tragedy when everything around you is falling apart or is changing and you feel like the world you know it as you know it is never going to be the same and you know what it probably won't it inevitably won't your relationships will change or fall away you could be hanging out every single day to only talking to each other maybe once a year if you're lucky 
And it's in that moment where you need to find the people loyal to you to pray for God's anointing and protection over you, just to talk with God, just as you would talk with a friend. But as you see, in the, fight, in the new Spider-Man movie, uh, things are going to happen outside of your control, and you have to understand that some things are just that, beyond your control, and you don't have to feel responsible and live with the guilt of certain things for the rest of your life. And I have myself had to learn that for quite a while. I learned it from other people, and I learned it from just trying to live every day. You know, there are days when you don't want to move on because there's too much change. There's too much to move forward. How do you? How do you move forward when everything else, when you feel like you're falling behind? Let's pray together. Dear Lord God, I pray for everyone who is listening to this podcast. Lord God, help us, Lord God, to change, to change into you, into who you want us to be, and help us get beyond the ways of everyone and everything and all the consequences around us, the inevitable change that's beyond our understanding. Help us to move forward when we feel like we're falling behind. Lord God, I thank you for your glory and your love and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you all so much for listening to episode 47 of Handy Slapped. I am your host, Reverend Jordan Schrader. Stay safe out there. Have a wonderful, blessed holiday season. Stay, again, stay safe. Stay awesome. And as always, stay classy. God bless.